Welcome to Winging It Motown Radio. I am your host this week, JJ from Kansas. Uh, today I'm joined by Lauren. Lauren, how you doing? I am. I'm good. <laughs> it's, I've I've had a day today, so it's but it's good. It's a good day. It was a good good day. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. And also, uh, Mike B, how's how's it been? Pretty good. Pretty solid. Solid day. I, I like that. I. I'm in the midst of. It's not the greatest day ever. Uh, honestly, I will admit I've I've had a challenging, tough day. A lot of stuff to do at work, uh, but that's over now. And now it's time to talk hockey. So Yay. let's just uh, jump right into it. Since the last time we recorded, the Red Wings have played five games. Uh, first up, they lost five one to Chicago after. Uh, you know, to basically, they basically lost the season series off of that. They were one one win and one loss, but uh, it, by European soccer rules, they gave up they gave up more goals at home, so they lost the season series. That sucks. Then the All Star break gave us a bit of a you know five days to think about it before we got back into it and beat the Sharks in a shootout in a pretty good game. I think we over we outplayed the Sharks. It, it went well, and then Friday in Carolina got killed again, and then lost again that Saturday in Florida in the the heartbreaking. At least it wasn't goaltender interference, I suppose. Uh, before uh, the Boston loss on Tuesday, which did not appear as close as the three to two final score was. Um, so two wins, three losses. How's how's everybody feeling in? in the last five games. What, what do you think, Mike? Uh, I guess I'm, I'm feeling okay. Uh, the, the sharks win, like that was, that was, a, you know, they consistently outplayed the sharks throughout that game. Uh, the, um, the Carolina win was, was a lot of fun. That was like the most fun game I think in, in quite a while. Uh, that Blackhawks game was, was awful. Um, and the, uh, the other two games, the Boston game was, yeah, like you said, not as close as, as uh, not as close as the score appeared. But um, the Florida game, I think, could have easily been a win. Uh, so, or you know, at least gone to overtime as it should have. Uh, so overall, I'm feeling pretty good about uh, where things are, and I guess relative to expectations, um, I think the compete level has been good, um, and I, I think. Uh, you know, some of our younger players are are developing and also learning um, learning s- some key lessons. I think uh, in this season, so it's kind of kind of fun to watch in that way. If you like disappointments, oh, I do. Lauren, any uh, takeaways from this last five games? Um, so, as per usual, I haven't really been able to watch a lot of games um, because of work and uh and now class i have um once a week in the evening so that kind of throws a bit of a wrench into it but um of these of these games of these five games uh the only one i was able to watch was the florida game and so that just was just rage inducing and i was like why did why is like the one game that i've been able to watch in forever have to end like this because this is crap and i 
had an interesting time on Twitter after that game. It just was, I don't know, that whole thing just was, kind of sums up my recent hockey uh, experiences. But I mean, the, you know, three wins, two losses does pretty much play up to, um, you know, the kind of season we expect. Like, it's, it, you know, we're not like, I don't know, it's just very average. Like, we won a good game in Carolina, but we lost badly to the Blackhawks, which, you know, is pretty typical because we've also seen it the other way around for, you know, where we shut out the Blackhawks and got thoroughly beaten up by Carolina. Um, and then, you know, it's like, okay, Sharks went to to a shootout. You know, that's, you know, something that's probably completely expected. And the Florida game was extremely typical of a game between those two teams. So, like, I don't know, there, there wasn't really anything, like, out of the norm. It's just kind of been stay in this course of, you know, we're not great. Like, maybe we'll put together a good performance. But then, you know, maybe the next night it's like, uh, you know, we definitely didn't deserve to win that game or, you know, whatever it's I think they're they're certainly outperforming and underperforming expectations within the same um you know like within the the a couple of weeks or whatever they're 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 doing both um which is what we've come to expect from them yeah pretty much uh, Mike you'd mentioned uh talk about the the kids growing and that was actually one of the things because I was just looking at uh, Athanasiu over the last five-game stretch, and he'd been coming off a stretch where he'd consistently be getting between 19 and, and 22 minutes. Uh, but over the last five games, he's topped out. He played 17-39 against San Jose, um, but he's he's been right, like hanging around 15. He only played he played less than 11 minutes against Boston. Um, no points in those five games. He's a minus five player. Uh, is the lack of ice time driving the 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 play, or is is the play not is the play following the lack of ice time? Like, what's what's going on here with with Athanasiu specifically that you've noticed? Um, I think that that. The, I think while the team has has played well, that Athanasiu's line with uh, Larkin and Bertuzzi uh, hasn't played quite as well recently, and so I think that's uh, you know that is resulting uh, in in the cut of his time. I think Bertuzzi's kind of cooling from that initial like that initial surge that most young players get the first time they come up to the league. Um, and so I think that's affecting their line and Larkin's a type of player that is going to be used, uh, more dynamically in a lot of different situations. And so I think Athanasiu kind of ends up being, ends up being, uh, in an odd man out sort of situation where, where, you know, Blasha will still utilize Larkin in a variety of situations, but, uh, you know, with, Bertuzzi kind of uh, coming back down to earth a little bit, uh, you know, all relatively speaking. Um, I think that their line has uh, has struggled defensively, and uh, like in in the uh, the Florida game, uh, you know, it, they uh, they did not uh, play well possession wise in the Florida game. Um, you know, so I think I think 
Blast Shell is, you know, just kind of peeling them back a little bit, which I don't think is necessarily the worst thing for them at this point. Uh, peeling them back like how? Like, did, like <laughs> they just kind of need to be a little bit more sheltered right now? Uh, yeah, I guess I, I would argue that. Um, you know, we that line is, has played really well in the previous 20 or so games. And it's, uh, it's one of those things where I think, I think, uh, um, the other teams around the league are, are adapting, are adapting better to that line. Uh, because a lot at this point now, a lot of teams are seeing that line for the second time in person. And so I think, you know, they're, Possession wise, they're being, uh, they're not getting the possession that, uh, that the team would like out of them. And so they're, they're basically, I think, being forced to take a little bit of a step back and kind of, you know, reevaluate like, hey, okay, this, you know, kind of this, uh, Larkin throwing lob passes to Athanasiu and, and Bertuzzi, you know, kind of gets in front of the net and, and mucks things up. Um, you know, a lot of teams I think have have uh, kind of wisened up to Larkin's and Athanasi and Bertuzzi's particular iteration on on um, that play style, and so I think um, you know peeling them back a little bit and uh, um, kind of figuring out a new way to uh, to approach entering entering the zone and maintaining possession with that line right now is a good thing, especially because I think Nielsen's line has played, has played relatively well recently. Um, so I think it's kind of a luxury that they can do that. Yeah. I mean, they were, when they were running hot, they, they were kind of still a one note line. And I remember that, uh, Craig Custins had written an article, uh, on the athletic about it a few weeks ago, talking about how, that kind of success was not going to last forever because if there's anything that NHL coaches can kill, it's uh, creativity when it's or it's it's a new gimmick basically. And that was the the law passed Athanasiu had been working, and then all the the defenses, all they really had to do was back out and force them to get beaten from from slightly longer distance, which both. Larkin and Athanasiu have shown consistently like they don't have the kind of snap on a shot like uh, like Anthony Mantha, who if you're going to give him shots from the top of the circles, he's going to beat you often enough where you're going to have to steal that space from him. Um, you can let Larkin shoot from there all day, and he's, he's going to beat you occasionally, but but not consistently. It, it's them getting in there with the, with the speed behind the defenders and drawing the penalties. So it does look like that that adjustment has been made, and it's something that they're going to have to work through. Um, boy, they have been making a lot of mistakes in their own zone too, and that's that's killer in in any in any case. Um, the other thing I've, I've noticed is like what is going on with with Tomas Tatar? Like he's, I, it feels like he's kind of lost on a line too, uh, especially when he was playing with with Darren Helm and, and Franz Nielsen. It's like I'd. I don't get that. He's, he's. Uh, I I think he's more defensively responsible than he's given credit for. But that's not what you want him out there doing. You kind of want him cherry picking. You kind of want him to have uh, guys who can finish plays that that he can pass to. And it's not like Brent Nielsen isn't a, a schlub in scoring, but 
I, I think we can safely say Darren Helm is. Um, Aww. Lauren, what do, you, what do you think about the way the lines are, are put together? Um, well, again, I have really not been able to see how much they've been kind of put together um, so far. Um, but I know, like, in, in to the Athens CU thing, what I can speak for um, is I know, like, at least in his history, is that like when he's having a good game, like when you when he comes out and starts the game, like playing really well, and he's you know you can tell he's got a little extra something that night, like he's getting chances early. Like those are the games that he gets a ton of minutes. Those are the ones where you're like, okay, he's seeing 18, 19 minutes a game. But then, you know, the ones where you're not seeing a lot of time for him, it's you also notice, okay, he's not like we didn't see him hardly at all, and it is kind of a chicken and egg thing, you know what. Um, you know, what's kind of causing what is it, you know, because because we always hear from, you know, Blasio, like, oh, when he's on, he's really on. And, you know, we need him to be on all the time and all this kind of stuff. But um, they like it. It always seems like, yeah, like you, you can tell early when he's having a good game. And those are the, the games where he gets extra minutes, it seems like. So I I I can't say you know, which is which, like what's, you know, is it his play that's kind of gone down? Like, is he making more mistakes and stuff because he's just getting less minutes? Is he getting less minutes because he's making more mistakes? You know, who's to say, but I definitely think it is a, a combination thing because we've definitely seen that specifically with Athens U before. Um, and then um, kind of addressing the Tatar thing. I've, I try to keep up a little bit on Twitter. Um, like if I'm at work, I really don't have a chance to follow anything um, during the game, um, you know, I, I can maybe, you know, grab a minute during break and, um, kind of scroll through the Twitter feed that, uh, who, you know, whoever's running the women account, um, can, I can kind of look through there, but it, like, it, I've noticed that, um, people have pointed out on Twitter that like, like if there's ever like a, a pan to a shot on the bench of Tatar, he like, he just kind of looks like. I guess loss is the best word because I don't want to say like disengage, but like loss definitely seems like the best word. I know he got rattled the other night in um, Florida. He took a hard hit and was kind of looking, you know, dazed or whatever after that. But it it seemed like pe- other people were pointing it out during other games where they were just kind of like, you know, what's what's up with him? Like, where is his head right now? Like, he just doesn't seem like he's in the game. He doesn't seem like he's really um, kind of just all all there in this game, you know, maybe he's just not clicking with his line mates, you know, who knows what it is, but I, I don't know. And he's always, he's always kind of been an emotional player. Um, He's enough of a professional where I don't think if there were like big trade rumors or anything going around, like, you know, at least within the ones that, you know, like where players would be like, Hey, by the way, like we're, you know, kind of shopping you around and, you know, not necessarily the stuff that gets out to like media and stuff, but but I think he's enough of a professional where I don't think it would be something like that. So I just wonder if he's, I don't know, like if maybe there's just something else going on because he always has been, um, like I said, emotional, but I don't think he lets that kind of stuff get to him as much. So I, I, I think if people are actually seeing him kind of like kind of that disengaged thing, I, I don't know. I just, it seems like there's like just what, from what other people have pointed out, like maybe there's just kind of something because he just seems like he's not as engaged as he um, usually is on the ice. Yeah, it's super hard not to let the mind wander, because especially 
ever since. I don't even remember which game it was. It was sometime back in January. I'm, I'm sure. Like he didn't play the first ten minutes of the per- of the first period, and then like he scored a power play goal, and the immediate shot, like he looked like he was staring daggers at the bench. And none of the the diggers asked him about it, so I, I have no idea if that was just like he saw somebody in the stands that was holding up a Tatar sucks jersey or sign, or or just he was squinting at a at a hot dog. I, I have no idea, but like that's kind of like stuck in my brain for the last few weeks. And yeah, he does he doesn't look happy on the ice. He doesn't look like himself, and so not. Not knowing what's going on and not getting any answers, it's like, is he hurt? Is he pissed? Is he, you know, Carpathian kitten loss? I, I don't know what's going on with him. Um, nor is it, I don't know, I'm, I'm just kind of worried at this point. Uh, what do you think, Mike? You got any, uh, any insight or, or speculation? I, as far as uh, as what's going on, you know, that you guys haven't explored, I, I, I unfortunately don't know him personally, so I can't attest to that. But <laughs> I know, right? Um, but I don't know. I, I think you guys, you guys mostly cover anything that that I've been feeling about it. You just um, he's kind of he's stuck in a weird spot on the Nielsen line, um, you know, and and they just you know it's just not his style of hockey, and he's not getting not getting the minutes. Um, but I agree with Lauren though, that he's enough of a professional that, uh, um, you know, he's not going to air any, any issues in public. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I kind of, I noticed you mentioned the other day in the comments that he may be nursing an injury or something. And, and you know, that I was like, Oh yeah, he might be. So I don't know. We'll, We'll see what happens, but uh, you know there there's a good chance that his or a, a fair chance, anyways, that his fortunes on the team are shaken up after the trade deadline, one way or another. So I think that'll be a good yeah. time to check in again. On him. Yeah. Well, my um my enough of, enough of a professional comment was um kind of specifically more just like yeah, I don't think he would let like trade rumors get to him so much, but you're, you're also right that he, um, he certainly isn't going to like air grievances. Like, and I don't think that's, that's not really something that you see in this league really at all. Like players don't talk about like not being happy necessarily. You know, it's just not something that gets explicitly addressed, at least not in English media. Yeah. Um, I was going to say it's, yeah. it's, it's, it obviously happens uh, in French media more often um, than in English media and certainly overseas when players are in their home countries like over the summer and things like that or even during the season in their in their own you know in their native languages um, so yeah I just I I certainly don't think you know especially if it's something personal like you know we we, we obviously know um, what happened with Tatar's dad um, back in 2014 I think it was now um, so you know like it's it's certainly not you know he's not going to come out and be like you know hey there's this personal issue i've been dealing with and i you know because you know he is still i think a fairly private person as are actually i think most of the players you know none of them are coming out and just being like here's all my business which is which is 
fine and perfect and and that's you know how it should be um but yeah he's i think he's not going to be going out and saying things if he's not happy with the way the team is going or if he's worried about the trade deadline and stuff like that so it's like because you know we we see the quotes from mike green that's like oh i'm i'm happy but i understand it's a business and you know i really like playing here and stuff like that i don't know if we've ever like seen quotes like that from like tatar and iquist because you know we've been you know if we've heard that like oh maybe nashville is like looking at them you know it's i don't know if we've ever seen interviews asking them about like oh what would what do you have to say about the possibility of being traded where they've had to give an answer that is well you know your your typical like well i like playing here but you know i understand it's a business kind of thing and and i think it is a little different because you know this is the team that drafted him so i always wonder how much that kind of plays into it because this is you know his his original team you know he's he's lived in michigan his um for pretty much his entire you know uh north american hockey career and so i i just think i just i wonder how how much that comes into play but if you know of course he's just never gonna come right out and say like you know i'm i'm afraid of leaving because you know that's i don't know there's i'm sure there's you know PR yeah, stuff that would come done, along yeah. with that, but yeah, but I just you know I to me like that seems like it's certainly a possibility. I just don't know, of course, how much of that is actually true because there very well could be something else going on, or maybe he is just hurt. Like it could be very simple that he's like hurt, and you know, I, I don't know. There's a million different ways we could go on speculation about this. Well, we know that Helene is going to ask him about either Tatar or Nyquist about getting traded because she doesn't want the actual answer. She just wants them gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I want her gone, so we can't have always we can't always have the things we want. So Well looking back at the big picture, the Red Wings currently and that's the standings before all the games are final on the on the seventh here. They are eight points out of a wild card spot with one game in hand on Columbus, who currently occupies that spot. Um, the reverse standings, they are only five points above being the third worst overall team. They are not going to basically catch Buffalo or Arizona. They have 12 points up on Buffalo for 30th in the league and a game in hand on the Sabres. Um uh, and Buffalo is five points ahead of Arizona for the basement. So those are your two basement teams. It would take a, a miracle for, for that to change. Uh, Ottawa's got a pretty decent chance of, of catching up. Um, we're actually only six points behind Chicago right now for, let's see, what is that? It's like 22nd in the league. So we're pretty safe around the bottom. Like, I don't think we're going to be able to, to move our draft odds uh, too much one way or another, especially with how consistently the, the team has played. Um, like, I wanted to get your thoughts real quick on, like, what, like, what do you want to see for the, for the rest of the season in terms of this? I mean, the, the, like I said, the Wings are, are, are close to, to being in a really good lottery position, but they're not going to get the best. Uh, goal differential-wise, they're not... Like, they're five points ahead of Ottawa. Um, but Ottawa's goal differential right now is minus 42. We're only at minus 18. Like... Obviously, I think goal differential is, is probably a little 
like only very slightly better for for figuring out if a team is actually good than than points. Um, and we're actually better than than Edmonton, who is just ahead of us in the standings. At at they're minus nineteen. Carolina's minus twenty, way ahead of us in the standings, seven points up. Um, what do you like? What do you want to see going going into these last thirty games of the season uh, to give you a, a good feeling about where we're going to be looking in the draft lottery and a good feeling about where we're going to be looking for guys who are still going to be on the team for next year, being able to, to build off of stuff. All right. The smart ass pipe dream answer is we finish one spot out of the playoffs, but we're the spoiler for the Islanders in the last game of the season forces Tavares to sign with us in the off season and we win the draft lottery. But since that's not going to happen, um, like you said, there's there's so many bad, just phenomenally bad teams. Like it's amazing that we are 53 games in the season, and the Coyotes have only won 12 times, and the Sabers have only won 14 games. Um, is like that's incredible, in a sad way. Um, it's kind of funny. <laughs> so I agree. Because so. Buffalo still sucks. And Edmonton, like, they, it, like, to me, it's just so funny, like, just looking back at that, the McEichel draft, just everything about that, the fact that those two teams are still just god awful is just deeply hilarious to me. And I, I'm here for every minute of it. Yeah, I think it really says something, actually, to, to I mean, give Ken Holland some credence with, you know, his hesitation yeah, I was to say to, that, to, too truly like tear things down it's like nah there is something to the culture <laughs> there's well, definitely well, something to it well it kind of showed because like edmonton was just dumb and awful and you know ruined multiple first round picks but it seemed like buffalo was like like they were tanking for mcdavid and uh and they they obviously didn't get him um and now they still suck because they i think they you know tanked so hard that now they can't kind of build themselves back up. So I, I think there is something to be said for not selling off every single asset. Cause obviously you can't do that because then you have nothing left. Um, you know, cause picks aren't guaranteed and it's like, yeah, you can always get prospects and stuff, but it's like, eh, you know, you have to keep hold of some known entities. Um, and, and so it's just, it's just funny to, to see Buffalo just throw away, way at the bottom, only, only uh, saved by the, whatever shit show is is in the desert in arizona the arizona desert not the nevada desert (laughs) um to answer your question more directly though jj um i think that if the if the wings in the draft lottery end up with better than like the seventh overall pick i'll be pretty happy um because yeah i don't think they're gonna be in that top three pick range um but if they're if they end up with a pick better than seventh, I think that's that's pretty exciting, especially because there's there's so many there's a lot of good defensive options in the in the draft coming up. Um, you know, something like I think like five of the top ten rated skaters are defensemen, which is, you know, I think often unusual. And you know, the other thing I guess with the 
kind of speaking nebulously about the the trade deadline and where the team finishes and whatnot. Um, I think the team really needs to have space for Joe Hicketts next year. Um, so, however that happens, I mean, uh, a Mike Green Mike Green trades pretty much in the bag at this point, unless something weird happens. Um, you know, making space for Joe Hicketts and potentially the option for making space for Michael Rasmussen to have a really honest shot at making the team in the offseason and, and in a spot that he could potentially potentially fill. Um, I think that would be my kind of realistic happy, I guess, with the standings and the way the rest of the season turns out and who we make space for and whatnot. Yeah, right on. I think that it's going to be key to um, to make some space for the end of the season to have your Larkin and and your Athanasiu and and your Manta continue to work on what's going to get them winning games in the future and giving them the opportunity, like getting ramping them back up to where they're playing 19, 20 minutes a night um, or, or even more just to say, this is the way this is going to be going forward for you next year. You are going to be relied on this heavily every night. Um, Obviously, we're not making the playoffs, so you're going to go out there and you're going to work your ass off, and you're going to experience what it's going to be like in a safe environment. And then we're going to throw actual expectations on you as we try to climb out of this out of this funk. So that's that's what I want to see. It's I, I got, not necessarily like I don't want Zetterberg cut down to 12 minutes a night, but you know, maybe we could deal with a little bit less Luke Glendening and and you know, no uh, no Witkowski to to finish the season off. Yeah, and I guess, <laughs> I, I guess to to double back on on my comments earlier uh, about you know it may not be the the worst thing that the that the Larkin line is getting uh, you know some minutes. Uh, taken away from them right at the moment is because I, I think that it is that is an important part of the adjustment process that like you said that that they you know need to carry the team especially when it's like you know past the trade deadline and you know it's like clear we're not making the playoffs like yeah give them you know give them yeah I think we can I think we can wait until after the trade deadline before before we have to worry about uh, that too much it's just these these are the guys that are more fun to watch. So the more minutes they get, the more I yeah. enjoy as a fan. Yeah, oh, I, I watch I watch for Glenn Denning. I just I love that you know the grinding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, He's got I'm a good smile. <laughs> <laughs> I really do like Luke Glenn Denning, and I feel an. I feel bad that like he's kind of like the the poster boy for like yeah maybe don't give him so many minutes, but. It is what it is, and and he knows it. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he's also he's just he's just the poster boy uh, for um, you know hard work pays off kind of thing. Just because Mike Babcock was so in love with his work ethic that it was just like at the point it didn't matter that he was he because how long did he go without scoring a goal? A freaking long ass time without scoring a goal, and so but he would just he would always get minutes. He you know like he took the opening face off in the winter classic that one year it was like 
like he, Babcock had su- he was it had such a love affair for him, and it was like so. I think people were watching and were like, "There's, you know, I I don't want to be mean about it, but you know, there's there's nothing special. He's a, he's a fourth line grinder. He's a wonderful person, I'm sure, but when it comes to hockey, it's like you know, that's that's the fourth line guy that you can get from your AHL team. You know, you maybe call up your your good defensive center from your AHL team, and boom, there you go. There's Luke Glendening in you know, Carolina or something like, so I, I think that is part of it too. He's just, he's just the poster boy for like, well, he works hard. And so that's why I want him on my team. Yeah. And culture wise, I, I think he is valuable to, to this Red Wings team too. Um, because of, of the work ethic issue. And like, he, he's a guy you look at, like he is not gifted with the blazing speed of, of Athens or the, the uh, the hand eye coordination of, of Tyler Bertuzzi or or the the vision of, of Dylan Larkin, um, but you put him out there against any of those three on any given shift, and there's a decent chance that at least they're not going to be able to do what they want to do against him because he is you know he he puts in the work, and if those guys can put in the work like he puts in the work, then they should actually see. Uh, them hitting their ceilings so i like him yeah just maybe hmm. not so many minutes for him so in, in terms I of totally that. go ahead i was just gonna say i'm just totally get get behind that so yeah I agree. in terms of the the sell-off that's coming obviously uh, bob mckenzie was on nbc today talking or nbcsn today talking about how oh yeah mike green is is as good as gone they're gonna get a first round pick for him Great, thanks. I I wish I were that confident. So, I think we can probably skip over the concept of green unless you want to talk about potential destinations. Um, Mackenzie had mentioned that Tampa is looking for is looking hard at him. They're also looking at Ryan McDonough. I guess that depends on what Tampa wants out of their their blue liner because McDonough is seems like the better rounded guy, but I'm not sure that he's a better fit in what Tampa needs. Um, because I think Tampa should look for the better offensive guy, and that is definitely Mike Green over, over Ryan McDonough. So, and if they give up a pick, they're looking for that pick to end up being the thirty-first overall anyway. So, who cares about their first rounder? But I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Maybe maybe we can start a bidding war between them and Toronto and and trade him somewhere in the division. Do we have to demand the division premium if if we trade Green? To either Toronto or Tampa is is there another team that, that you like there? Um, I I really think there's an opportunity somewhere. Like, I really think the Islanders are going to make a dumb trade at the deadline because they need to bring in. Even if they don't make the playoffs this year, the Islanders need to do something to try to entice or convince John Tavares uh, to stay in in Long Island. Or Brooklyn, whatever. Um, whatever city it is this, this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think they have the potential to do something kind of dumb. And so I, I mean, that's kind of the team that I'm hoping that we end up, you know, just fleecing. Despite the fact that I find the Islanders pretty, pretty inoffensive. <laughs> but. Uh, I don't know. Certainly, I guess the the Lightning are are a very realistic 
a very realistic option. Maybe the most realistic because they can just they'll, they'll be like 31st pick, whatever. That's fine. It's gone. Um, so I think they're the most willing to to throw it away on, on a player like Mike Green. I did see something about Washington trading back for him. That I, I have no idea where it was, but someone was like, oh, they're like Washington is maybe considering, you know, I know Frank Saravalli had talked about it. Is that who it was? Okay, I because I, I like I said, I remember seeing it somewhere, and I was like, wait, what? What? I okay, sure, because it's it's very much a devil you know kind of situation, which I don't like that phrase because I think it's stupid, but um, like I, I mean, I guess it would make sense, but it just at the same time, it's like, okay, why? But I guess their blue line is certainly not the same as it used to be it would be magical if after washington had failed so hard basically they find like they went through an off season where a lot of people thought they were going to have a very big drop off and then it turns out that the missing piece that puts them over the top like was getting mike green back at the deadline that would that would be a fantastic story that i mean it wouldn't like really work out for for Red Wings fans because it's like oh great congratulations dickhead but <laughs> yeah. yeah in terms of if Mike Green is going to get traded and win a Stanley Cup I think the Washington would be my favorite destination there I um, would quite enjoy that yeah because it, it would be really funny um, yeah. I yeah I, I like that I think I agree with Mike in terms of like the Islanders are probably going to get fleeced at some point. Um, although Garcino did say today, like he's not interested in, he's not trading Tavares, which duh, and he's not interested in trading uh, a high pick. So I don't know, maybe he changes his mind, or maybe they he gets away with saying that, and then he trades a second rounder that becomes a condition that it can turn into a first if if so and so happens. Um, but honestly, I think if we're going to fleece the Islanders, I th- I think I would rather try to fleece the Islanders on a goalie deal than than Mike Green, Same. and oh, yeah. get uh, get Mike Green somewhere because the the goalie trade market is really really thin. Like it's pretty much just the Islanders. If nobody else gets if, if nobody else gets hurt, I mean. Carolina could use a good goalie, but they don't really have a, a good space for that. Like Chicago right now, I, I don't know what's going on with Crawford or whether or not they're going to be looking for it. It's just so weird. It's And our guys, I mean, to be honest, it's it's a total crapshoot on, on renting. I mean, you're, you're not renting Jimmy Howard. He's got another year after this one. Um, Peter Morazic, the way his, his contract is, is working – like, there's kind of a built-in consideration there in terms of he's got a $4 million cap hit that you can choose to qualify him to where you have to commit yourself to paying him at least $4 million next year, or you can, like, truly use him as a rental. So, I don't know. Like, I'm just not confident the Red Wings are going to move a goalie before the deadline this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and- I, I agree about the goalie market being thin because I mean, Chicago, they're, I think they're dead last in the central currently. So, I mean, even if they were going to try and find a Crawford replacement, you know, how much is that going to change things for them? You know? Yeah. They made a, 
they may have waited a little too long and yeah and have they, just fallen out of that concept well i just double checked they are last in the central they are six points behind colorado with colorado has a game in hand uh winnipeg is leading the division with 73 points chicago has 56 so they're 17 points behind winnipeg currently with a, with a game in hand uh and then obviously that's that would be for leading the division um but I mean, there's there's still worse there's... than every team in the Pacific besides Edmonton, Vancouver, and Arizona. Like, you know, <laughs> I think there's it's going to be pretty close to being, you know, like they're, they're they have to they absolutely have to be top three in the division. I think for even a chance for them to make the playoffs. So I, I don't know how much of a difference a goalie trade for them would make this year. So. Yeah, I mean, they're seven points out of the playoffs right now. It's getting, like, real crunch time if they're going to make a run. It's got to start, like, right now. So, the only good news is, like, if we do, uh, like, a goalie trade, I mean, there is the potential of taking Halak back, which, like, he just, he he would fall off, and I think that would, that might open up some extra potential for for the Islanders, but... I don't know. I think that's that's like all my ducks are in on a trade Mrazek to the Islanders for whatever you can get there, and just don't leave us going into next season with the same concept of of the Howard Mrazek tandem. Yeah, please. Yeah, it kind of sucks this year. It's I, I don't understand it at all. Plus, getting Halak back would fit really nicely into my category of players I really wish were on the wings like six years ago, along with Vanek and uh, Brad Richards. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> what about uh, what about Vegas as a potential destination for like literally anybody? Like, I don't know what what exactly are they going to be shopping for? They could really use a second unit power play like Mike wrote in our trade piece about Mike Green. Yeah, there's. I mean, it. There, they are so. They are such an odd duck as far as like trades that they could make because they're in such a weird. They're in such a weird position because mm-hmm. you know, it's like they're a really good hockey team this year. I think it's going to be like uh, Colorado a handful of years ago when they were you know when Patrick Waugh first started coaching them and they were like really good all of a sudden and then fell off the face of the earth the following season and haven't seen that success success since you know but uh you know so do you stand pat when you're them or i mean you're in a position to to win the stanley cup you know you have home ice if if the playoffs started today they would have home ice uh through the western conference finals at least you're only trailing the lightning for the league lead by a point so you know they could, you know, they could use they could use a player like Mike Green. They could use you know a, a winger like apparently Athanasi has been rumored recently, and you know we get there's always kind of the you know everyone in Team Tatar is like ah Nyquist he needs to go, and everyone in Team Nyquist is like ah it's time for Tatar to go, uh, you know and both would fit quite well there so. Um, but they just 
you know how many how many assets do you give up on a team that's probably not going to be this good again for a while yeah so you really like to entice them to spend a first because it seems like they could end up going out a little bit early in the playoffs um you know whereas you trade a guy you trade a guy to tampa and it's like you're you're planning on that pick having a, a 30 in it somewhere just because that's what tampa looks like but I don't know, Vegas, maybe you get lucky, and, and that ends up like a, a 24th overall somehow, which I don't know how, how important that is. But uh, yeah, the Athens CU thing, like Elliot Friedman talked about, like it would make sense for, for Justin Falk in Carolina to, to move on for Athens CU, and the Red Wings fan base hates that trade, and the Carolina fan base hates that trade. So... I think the idea that both fan bases are like, no, there's there's no way I would do that. That other the other team would definitely have to add more pieces. I think makes that trade make a lot of sense. I don't think it'll happen. Uh, I don't know though because it all depends on like where we see Athanasiu being in terms of being a Red Wing because he's been talked about being one of the untouchables by the Diggers, um, which I'd love to believe. But there is also the holdout and a lot of the talks about the the gripes with his usage so what do you what do you think about the concept of is should Athanasiu be considered untouchable or should he, he should he be moved or, or what do you feel in there oh um i i did find it interesting that the diggers all of a sudden were kind of calling him an untouchable player because of the holdout and everything like just the way that that was like reported on while it was going on. I, I was just very surprised that suddenly he was like seen as absolutely in the future of this team because it sure didn't seem like that, you know, while the, <laughs> while the contract negotiations were going on. So um, I, I mean, I love Athena CU as a player and I, I would love for him to still be a part of this team. Um, I just, I don't know because this is this is always kind of what it gets into with the diggers because it's like how much is this you know some like doing some strange about face um, on their opinions versus how much of it is you know trying to carry water for the organization and if you go in that direction you know which direction were they carrying water or are they was that more when they were covering the negotiations the way they were or is it are they more reflecting the organization's opinion when they say things now that he's untouchable like it's it's such a hard thing to interpret because it's the, the opinions that we get from the diggers are just you know you just never know like what the spin on it is um so like i said i i would love for him to be considered part of this future just because i i love watching him play um i just I don't know how much confidence I have in the team to like, you know, to imply one thing and then, and then stick to it, I guess. I, I don't know. It's, it's just a very hard situation to interpret, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm not so enamored with him. I like having him on the team right now, but it kind of goes back to, I, I made a comment about, uh, I think one of the reader questions last podcast, uh, asked about Dylan Larkin if he's you know elite or if he projects to be elite or not and my response to that was it depends on you know 
how he changes once his speed starts to fade, which just anatomically is happens to all players, um, and, and it starts to happen around the age of twenty five or so. And I think Athanasiu is in, you know, in, in the same boat. And I don't have as much confidence in him being a, you know, having other skills that make him equally impactful in a different way you know four years from now um to make up for the loss of you know the the losing his edge in speed yeah right on like i i like he does seem like he could be like a a game changer but i i don't know that he's going to be able to consistently do that i think that there's a, a really good chance that just like you said that He'll have a few years of, of being flash, flash in the pan, just because that speed is going to be insane, and then that will he'll lose half a step, and then it's it's going to go right down to, well, he's he's all right, and then it'll be a few years after that. Hey, whatever happened to that really fast guy? So, Ooh, I, Aaron Helm. Yeah, I, I really, <laughs> I really worry about overvaluing him, but also I out worry about eating my own foot on that because I, I've been wrong about so many players. Yeah. Just so many. Damien Ryan Sproul. Oh, <laughs> bad. Brendan Smith 2.0. Yeah, and I was wrong about Alexi Marchenko. Mostly defensemen I'm really wrong about because I'm, well, I was really wrong about Thomas Yurko too. Oh, let's just, also let's, sad. let's move on before I, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, we're heading we're heading in, heading into the sad zone. Let's steer clear. Yeah, I I don't like the sad zone. It's it's depressing there. Well, don't worry. Just uh, one. Uh, I, I put quickly around the league for the write up. Uh, let's just make the one stop. Uh, Alex Burrows is trash. Yep. Yes. Yep. It, 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 and this is not a new revelation, unfortunately. Uh, but now we have uh, definitive uh, video proof. In well, I guess more yeah. definitive video proof because he also was caught on tape trying to bite someone's finger off, I think. so. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Is that him or the other dude from Vancouver? I can't remember. It was all uh, bad. I'm seriously yeah, sure it was Burroughs. That was Burroughs with the bite, yeah. That was in if, the, the playoffs, wasn't it? Yeah. Final? If you haven't seen it or have been under a rock, uh, I will have... There, there's a link to it in, in the post uh, for this this article uh, for the podcast, uh, the suspension video... Uh, the bottom line is Taylor Hall blew Alex Burrows up with a big clean check, and that activated baby mode. And so, at the next, before the next was Burrows was was chasing Hall down, trying to get him to to fight or or you know to apologize or maybe to pass a boating license exam. Uh, <laughs> the whistle went. The the scrum happened. Burroughs uh, spent a few seconds whining at the refs about having just been hit in, in hockey and then chased Hall down, like punched him a couple of times, took him down, punched him in the back of the head a couple of times, then like rolled over on top of him and like while the linesman is trying to get Burroughs away from him, like brings his leg up and then brings his knee down on Taylor Hall, uh, the back of Taylor Hall's head a couple of times the it's funny if you actually watch the, the suspension video because they say 
Uh, Alex Burroughs explains to us that, you know, he was trying to get his arm free and that's why his leg came up. And it's like, that's the dumbest thing that nobody believes. And it, you can hear it coming through in the video. It's like, we think he's full of bullshit. And still, like I tweeted this morning from the women account, like, I just want to come out and say that the Alex Burroughs suspension was, was not long enough. Um, just before it's even announced, just to save time. It came out as 10 games, which was surprisingly many. And still, I have to say, I agree, it was not long enough. Why the hell does this guy have a spot in the league still? Yeah, that was kind of my thought. And I think the league did the, the shitty thing where they're like, well, Taylor Hall didn't end up getting seriously hurt out of the incident. So we're going to be more like, lenient. Of course, that's always the reason that it's not as long as you think. and he, But even when players do get seriously hurt, it's never as long as you think. Because the league just refuses to to take headshots seriously. You know? Cause, and, and I think that's that's something, too. It's like, yeah, he wasn't just, like, like, it, it's, it would be pretty shitty if he, like, kicked him in the groin, because someone did that to Mike Smith the other night and scored a goal while kicking him in the groin. But he literally took his hard padded knee like your knee's already hard like if you smack your knee into someone's head like anyway it's gonna hurt probably gonna hurt your knee but it's gonna hurt the other person's head more but you're taking your knee which is like it's you have cushion against your knee and then you have like the hard part of the outside of the knee pad and you're slamming it into somebody's head who was wearing a helmet but as we know helmets do not protect from all head injuries and you can still get concussed whilst wearing a helmet and getting hit with a puck or an elbow or just hitting your head on the ice. Like it's, it's so unbelievably stupid that a clearly deliberate targeting of the head, because it's like the Martian elbow recently, he got suspended for five games for taking out. I don't even remember who it was, but he's like completely, threw his elbow straight into the guy's head. Like that was clear targeting. This is also clear targeting. And it's, it's even, I think it's even worse than the Martian thing because there's zero reason for any of that to be happening. You know, he was reacting badly to a clean hit, which is already stupid. And then wrestles him to the ground is punching him while he's down and then knees him in the head a couple times. Like, there's I, just everything about it is so stupid that it's like it just boggles my mind that that he does have a spot in the league as as you guys mentioned. It's like I just there's I don't understand how anybody can look at him and be like, yeah, I want him on my team. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think even for a, a guy who doesn't have the history of Burroughs, like if that is like a guy's 10th NHL game and he's come up as a squeaky clean angel. I think the suspension for doing something like that should start at 20. Um, but I may be a little, I don't know, a biased or, or draconian there. I don't know. It, it, I, I guess it's a good thing that he didn't step back on the ice after being ejected to knee Taylor Hall in the back of the head twice. Uh, Cause then he, he might've gotten 20 games. Mm. I don't know. It's, I, I, I wish just, that it were surprising at this point that that the, yeah. the league is not terribly interested in in taking that part. I mean, you can 
say, well, ten games ought to get the message across, but I I don't think that it will. I it it clearly does not. So because it doesn't prevent it from still happening now is is the thing. So yeah, let's go ahead and move on to positivity corner though, because we've we we, go, we went sad, then then got angry. You know, let's let's reel it back in and take a minute to appreciate that there is still goodness and kindness and beauty in this world and and go over a few things that just that just make us happy lauren i'll, I'll let you start oh goodness um the hockey related happiness that we're I, it's been so long since i've done a positivity corner um you don't have to be it doesn't have to be hockey related okay well i don't know i feel like i i can find something to be happy with hockey about i don't i don't know um well, I don't want to take up too much time trying to think of it, I guess. But if I think of something later, I'll I'll say it. But in in personal happy things, I bought a car today, so yay! First, excellent, big yeah. purchase. Terrifying, and and I was mildly panicking the minute I saw the paperwork come out. I was like, oh god, this is okay. And so I picked it up tonight, and it's sitting in my garage right now. And so it's that was the thing. So that's that's my happy thing for today, I guess, for this week. Congratulations on your adulting. It's it's tough, but, but rewarding. <laughs> I, I hate adulting. I don't want to do it all the time, but <laughs> I know, it's, yeah, it's good for today. So yeah, it does. Mike, what do you got for us? Uh, well, I didn't buy a new car today. Um, so there's that. But uh, um, hockey related, definitely uh, the um, during the Carolina game when uh, Zetterberg did that little back check on uh, I forget who it was, stole the puck, dished Nyquist. Flurry. Yeah, Hayden Flurry, and then you know that led to the Nyquist goal. Like, oh man, that made me so happy. That was like that was that was my favorite goal of the uh, of the past couple weeks or so. Or if you want to count that Tatar shootout goal against the Sharks, that was sweet too. Oh yeah, and the fact that like that was the assist that got Zetterberg past Datsuk, like that was the most Datsukian assist <laughs> yeah. I've seen Zetterberg have in the last five years. So it was that was a little a little cherry on top of that Sunday. I, I liked that a lot. Euro Twins forever. Damn, I'm just going to use that for my positivity ah, um, sorry no that's fine i i will just go with uh i'm i'm happy that the patriots lost the super bowl that's, yes. oh. <laughs> it's, it's petty i i don't i don't i hate boston and i i'm tired of the patriots i, I hate my pretty <laughs> i hate like, him and his dumb face yeah always always good to to at least be able to get some shot in front of in there so mm-hmm. But does it does it have to come through the hand of Philadelphia? That's that's the you know. Is it better than coming through the hands of Pittsburgh? Um, I, I jeez, yeah. the man, that's a heavy question. Just consider, I think considering the the success of the Penguins the last couple of years, I can say yeah, it's a, yeah, sure, okay, fuck Pittsburgh, fuck Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. See, knowing that that there's a lot of Pittsburgh fans who like can't be happy because Philadelphia won, that that makes it kind of okay. Knowing, <laughs> good point. That I don't 
I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of Philly fans that I like. Um, maybe, maybe not a lot. There is a, a number greater than zero of Philly fans that I think are are not terrible people. But so I, I just choose to be happy for those few, and more happy that a bunch of Boston fans are are unhappy. So that works for me. So okay, I'm gonna go ahead and, and hand this over to JJ for reader questions as as we do. <laughs> Thanks, JJ. Uh, not uh, not much in the mailbag, and it's all trade related questions, and we covered a lot, but we'll we'll just ask them just to make sure that we're not we're not missing things. So uh, MD row twelve, what is a trade beside trading Mike Green you would like to see the Wings make? And I guess I will double down on uh, Mrazek to the Islanders. Okay. Um, dang, all the low-hanging fruit are gone. Uh, really, really crazy trade. That uh, and it's not really a deadline trade. It trade would be an off-season trade. But uh, if the if the Wings are going to trade Nyquist somewhere. I just I have this you know this thought in my head that I could see Ottawa being a destination for Nyquist and oh, playing dude. playing with Eric Carlson. Um, not to, I don't mean to like play into this the kind of silly narrative that we have like all Swedes like each other and want to play with each other, but um, you know I I think that they're you know. Maybe that's something that could happen. It's like kind of the, the the bug in my head as far as trades go lately for kind of weird, but maybe possible. I don't know. Yeah, I like that. Mm. Lauren, do you have a specific trade you want to see? Uh, certainly not anything that specific. Um, I've I've never been good with trades, uh, so I I can't say I can say like I I can't think of anything where I'd be like. Oh, you know, it would be really cool. Like, if this specific player went to this specific team, like that's my brain just does not work in hypotheticals like that when it comes to sports. Um, but uh, I guess, like, I'm I'm sure this one is never going to happen, considering um, alternate captain status and and new contract status. Um, but if we could find somebody to trade for Justin Abdicator. That'd be cool with me because I'm still pissed about that contract and I want it to go away. So <laughs> just for whatever you can get, yeah, 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 kind of. But that that I would have no idea like which team would take it. You know, I, I just like I said, I'm awful at, at trying to figure that kind of thing out. So for me, it's just like you know what? If it happened, I'd be like, yeah, cool. Just like. Make sure you just actually give us substance in return, and and I'll I'll be okay. So, yeah. All right. A forty one wants to know. Um, Nyquist is a guy that would be captured by the sentiment one year earlier, one year too late. He's a serviceable player with a decent cap hit, all while having one more year of control. He's a support player, not the kind that will carry the team on his shoulders. I think we know that already. By the time we are ready to compete again, he will not be the player he is today. Can you please speak to the prospect of him being traded and for fun what he might fetch us? Mike? Okay, yeah. Um, you already touched on this, so I'll let you yeah. roll with it a little bit more. Uh, you know, 
I don't know. It's one of those things that uh, I think saying that he it's tough to say that he's like he doesn't carry a line, but to call him a support player, I, I just feel like that designation does him some sort of disservice. I uh, I think at the at the right moment, um, you know, Nyquist could be a a second round pick, and if he you know was if he played a different position and was equally as good at that position, I think that pick would be higher. But I think he could I think he could pull in a second. Or, you know, uh, you know, some sort of I would hope that a a solid prospect uh, would would come back. Some some guy who projects to be a top six winger or uh, a top four defenseman. Yeah, I think at this point, if you're trading Nyquist, you're basically looking to get a younger guy who's basically going to be Nyquist in a few years. Yeah, you're you're giving up that. Uh, established player for just kicking that can down the road because I do think that it has a good a forty one has a good point that like by the time we're ready to compete again Nyquist won't be the same player it's just kind of in the wrong timeline essentially so moving Nyquist for younger for a, a younger version of, of Nyquist uh, probably makes sense. I just don't think that moving Nyquist at the trade deadline is something that necessarily has to be done. I'm I'm more more okay with the concept of looking around the draft time to see what teams are are still looking for, uh, because I think that's when you're more likely to get that kind of a Nyquist for for the younger version of himself kind of deal made anyway. Yeah, and I I think with Nyquist, I think most teams that are would be looking to add him would be either slotting him in on the first line or as like a a luxury second line winger. Yeah, he's not going anywhere to play the third line. Um, yeah, I, I think the other thing too is um, when we were looking at what we were going to get for Vanek last year, um, it ended up being not what we expected either. And I, I really don't know how much of a um, a feel we have for them like this year's market like I, I don't know if we have a good handle on it this year because it it was unexpected for Vanek and we kind of had an idea like oh well you know hopefully the other teams in the league haven't caught on to his defensive problems um, but I, I think there's something to be said about they're not they're like I correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think we've really had a there's not been much of a significant trades this year I mean there was the Duchesne trade but that was a three team trade and it was goofy and and you know, it's I. I don't know if we have a good idea of what Nyquist would um, would get in return this year. Yeah, because it, it it's not really a, a, a deadline deal kind of move, and that's we're kind of wait like we are in the trade doldrums right now, where every team is just kind of waiting. The market is is starting to to heat up with with phone calls and scout visits and whatnot, but you're not going to get a lot of a lot of movement until we get actually closer to February 26th. So, uh, the question continues with a player by player. Let's talk about the, the thoughts of likelihood of following players being traded and the value they could bring back. Uh, rapid firing. He mentions both goalies. Um, I don't, I, I don't think that either one is, is terribly likely to be traded. And if they are, you're probably not getting some. You're probably not getting better than 
than a second round pick at the very best and, and even then you're looking for you're taking back a warm body and getting a third probably um mentions Ouellette who's not on the trading block he has absolutely no value you could put him on waivers he would clear right now uh Woodkowski is the same way same. Uh, yeah, I, was, Fer- I was surprised by that comment Martin Ferk is an interesting case uh, nine goals in the season very power play specialist like he is the very poor man's Vanek who got a, a, a disappointing but un- ultimately unsurprising return last year so like you get what a fifth or a sixth for Ferk if if you move him at this point maybe yeah and he's, he's he's too fun to watch fire the puck for him to leave I like watching him too much yeah at this point I think I would rather just have this last bit of Martin Ferk than than a sixth round pick just fuck it let's have fun yeah. with it and then he mentions green which we talked about a lot uh he mentions minor league players i i don't i don't care i'm sorry that's easy as i could say and then the worst list of getting rid of guys for him would be helm applicator to kaiser none of those three are getting traded sorry oh. mitten man 1391 wants to know who's winning the cup i uh, I'm going to, oh, goodness, the easy answer is the lightning, right? Uh, Probably. But I, I'll, I'll, I'll take the Jets, I guess. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think they're a fun team to watch. And it'd be, you know, it, it'd make me happy if, you know, if Winnipeg was suddenly the team to break the big Canada curse. You know that would that would uh, entertain me to see the the wind taken out of you know Toronto's sails and Edmonton's sails. I guess That'd that would funny. be hilarious. Yeah, or Montreal's. Yeah, I think if it's not going to be the Lightning, it will be uh, Nashville, and it'll be because of a deadline move that they make that's going to be really smart. I just don't know what that move is. You stop, Nyquist. For oh, who you said, Kelly Yarncrock and Kelly Yarncrock, yeah, something <laughs> in the chat the other day, and I was, okay. I, my heart just hurt. <laughs> the entire, that entire, all of that trade just made my hockey soul just. So simple. it's a three. It's, it's so a three way trade. It's so a three way trade. Sorry, Lauren. <laughs> just ow. It's a three way trade, oh. and Anaheim's involved, and Patrick Eves oh. comes back too. Oh, oh there you go. I love Patrick Eves. I, I, oh, that's a positivity corner. He's he's doing well. He's recovering. He's not playing currently. I don't think. I don't remember if he's skating yet, even. But he's seems like he is recovering nicely. So yay! Excellent. Okay. Um, moving on. It's, sorry, I was just doing something else. I'm bad at this. Uh, what do you think Vegas will do with the trade deadline? That's tough. Yeah, because what what do they think that they need is is the question. That's and that's a question. That's a question I have zero inkling of an answer to. Yeah, I I think that they should just do what worked for them and like spend like a, a nothing asset to get just some random like they should spend a fourth a fourth round pick to get some rando defenseman who is going to just have an insane blow up year just because that's 
that's Vegas's magic so far, so I might as well roll with it. I see what you did there. Uh, uh, Hornecker asks about shopping Tatar and Nyquist uh, actively or just wait for the offers. And I, I don't really know the difference. Like, I don't think the, there's no, there's not a rush to shop them actively. You don't need to. So at least not right now. Once, once you get closer to July 1st and Tatar's uh, no trade clause kicking in, then maybe you get a little bit more active. But I think that you're probably going to get better just by listening for offers than by going out and, and pushing for them. And then Jeff Hancock finishes off with an FMK. We haven't had one of those in a while. So we're going to FMK, Matt Patricia, Stan Van Gundy, and Ron Gardenhire, the other coaches in Detroit. Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot first. Yeah, oh, geez. Um, oh, man, this is so hard because I have to, like, start, like, somehow care about, like, non-hockey teams. Uh, you know, Matt Patricia is just, it's too, it's too soon to, to tie the knot. You know, he's, he hasn't been in Detroit long enough, so I'm not willing, willing to commit. Um, <laughs> excuse me, sorry. But I don't really follow the Pistons, and I've lost track of the Tigers in recent years. So I'm going to um, I'm going to marry Matt Patricia, and um, I know very little about Ron Gardenhire, and so I can't kill him in good conscience. So he's the fuck, and then Stan Van Gundy is the kill, I guess. You know. Fair enough. Lauren. Oh goodness. Um, I'm gonna. I I I don't watch uh, basketball at all because I I just do not understand the sport in any context at whatsoever. Um, but kind of going off of, I I have to go off of what I've seen like on social media, like what I know from people who like watch those teams and what they've said about those hires and things like that. So, um, and, and Stan Van Gundy's been around for, for longer. So I can at least kind of, I've, I've seen what he's had to say on certain, uh, like more controversial topics in, in the world, not even just in sports. Um, and, uh, he, he seems like a, like a level headed dude. So I, uh, he's, he seems like the guy with like the right kind of, kind of morals i guess so i i think uh mary stan van gundy in that regard um i don't remember people being super thrilled with the um garden hire hire uh that that was weird uh so i i guess kill him um and then everyone seems to be super duper excited about that patricia but it, it is the Lions, so, you know, I guess we can maybe get excited about it, but, uh, you know, it, it very well could just end up being a disappointing one-year stand. So that that seems appropriate to be the F. Uh, Lauren is entirely right, including, like, the whole one-year stand, because I was literally <laughs> thinking, like, that's probably what I would do. 
it, like there's just too much excitement around the guy right now to to commit to him. You don't you don't kill him. Obviously, he's 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 so hot, the hottest piece in town. You get to brag about about <laughs> bagging that. Um, so you you go with that, and then Van Gundy. I'm like I know almost nothing about basketball, uh, but I I see that Van Gundy occasionally gets a quote out there, and I'm like I really like that quote. So he's he's the marrying type there, and then Ron Gardenhire. I don't I don't care. Garden hose, whatever. Get out of here. <laughs> Just kill him. Well said. Bring back so. Brad Osmus and his, his jacket throwing. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, just a loaf ejected for throwing his jacket on home plate. Yeah, I, I bring back Brad Osmus just because he always brought out something in Tigers fans that really um, entertained me, at least. It was, it was a sight to behold. Sarah, on that's Helmeroids uh, for anybody who's listening, um, who's one of our writers and also the sparkle overlord of Detroit Twitter, Detroit sports Twitter. Um, she just, there, there is magic on her, on her Twitter feed when, uh, when it came to the Tigers and specifically Brad Osmus. So. I agree, yeah. Okay, so closing it out, we are going to look ahead for the next couple weeks. And the Red Wings, starting on Friday, play like almost every other day until the end of the month. So the Islanders on Sunday, the Cap- or the Islanders Friday, Capital Sunday, the Ducks, and then to Tampa, then to Nashville, and then home for the next week every other day against Toronto, Nashville, Buffalo, Carolina, finishing out the month, Rangers, and then a rare two-day break before going to St. Louis. Uh, let's look forward to one, two, three, four, the, the next six games. That's going to start in the island on Friday. That will finish at home against Nashville on the 20th. Uh, what do you think we're going to look like after that six, after the, those games? And I'm sorry, that's seven games. I can't count. I'm an idiot. Mike, what do you think? Seven games stretch yeah. ahead. I think they're going to be going to be run ragged um, by the end of uh, by the end of this stretch. Um, just because that's any team. I think any team would be um, playing that often. And, you know, players just aren't going to uh, aren't going to recover. But. Uh, you know, I, maybe we lose six of those games, but we beat the Lightning, and I'd be okay with that, honestly. If we lost every single one of those games, we beat the Lightning, like, 6 nothing. that'd be cool. All right. I, I, I don't know yeah, if I'd actually okay. be okay with losing all those games, but, you know, I'm just tired of losing the Lightning. That's really what I'm getting at. It kind of depends on how you lose them, because then you're also accepting a loss to the Ducks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um... Yeah, that's that, that's the other thing. It's like, oh, yeah, now you have to think of like, okay, which teams am I okay losing to? Which teams are we probably going to lose to? Which teams should we win against? Kind of a thing. So, uh, I because I think we're starting to get into more travel because I think we had we seem to kind of have a home heavy first half. Um, so I think we're starting to get into more road games, and I, I, that's certainly never going to be easy, especially when you're playing every other every other night. Yeah, four um, of these seven are on the road. And it's 
Nashville and is we're oh we're not going out west though, right? We're there the Anaheim game is in Detroit. Right. The Anaheim game is in Detroit. Okay. We play the Islanders and the Capitals on the road and then we come back home for Anaheim before going back out on the road to go see Tampa and then Nashville and then right. that right. following week is is both home games all week there. Okay. Yeah. That's I mean that's not an easy swing to go you know, four cities in seven days or, you know, I guess it would be if you're kind of calling every other, yeah, it'd be it, it, when you include Detroit, you know, going to it, leaving and then coming back, it's, it's something like six cities in, in about, you know, I think a 10 day span, which, which I'm not looking at a calendar. I might be completely wrong, but that's certainly not an easy thing for, for, anybody especially at, at this point in the season we've already had our bye week we've already had the all-star break we're getting into the heavy grind of the season and it it's going to start really grinding here soon so i um i'll i'll say we go and and torn between like 2 3 and 2 and 3 2 and 2 so i'll 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 be the optimist and say 3 2 and 2 in these seven games um i hope that one of those three wins is against the lightning because screw them i think we are going to win two of those games um only two out of the seven i'm debating i think that we're gonna take another two of those to to overtime so yeah two three and two is is my guess um and i will go so far as to say one of those wins is going to be against I could cheat because we got two chances against Nashville. Um, yeah, one of those will be against Nashville, and the other one is we will uh, we are going to beat the Capitals on Sunday. Um, Isles beat us in, in overtime, and Toronto beats us in overtime. So you heard it here first, and feel free, because I think I was wrong the last time I predicted that too, so just hold that against me anytime. But... Do we have any final hockey-related thoughts before we sign off and, and let these folks go on about their their busy lives? Uh, no, it should be uh, it should be an exciting stretch though, since we're getting hockey every other night for quite a while. Um, right up until the deadline, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. exciting yeah, stuff. Be, should be a, a lot of hockey to to watch and enjoy. So it'll be fun. I would trade all those games. I would take losses in all those games plus Buffalo on the 22nd for a win on the 24th at home against Carolina because I'm going to be at that game and I want to see the Red Wings win a game at the LCA. (laughs) Yes. Lose them all. Just just win the one I'm going to, please. So, all right. So for for Lauren and Mike and the rest of Wim who uh, is with us in spirit, especially Jeff uh, with us in the the questions um signing off thank you very much for listening and let's go red wings let's go red wings the wins wings